Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome to episode 140 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm David. I'm Diana. And this is where two nerds talk about Stargate. We have a veteran podcaster. The founder of our show is Darren Sumner. He is joining us tonight. He is back in the U.S. How are you, sir? Hey, folks. I'm doing great. Do I get an Asgard beam in for being a guest on the show? Fair enough. Are you glad to be home? Oh, it's great to be home. Well, when last we left our GateWorld podcast... I was uh, finishing up my PhD in Scotland, and since then I've finished. So you're Dr. Darren Sumner. Objective achieved. Yeah, I'm now Dr. Sumner. and uh, Dr. Darren. Family relocated back home to the U.S. So okay. I'm currently teaching in, in Seattle and uh, trying to find some permanent work. Okay. That's terrific. Congratulations, Darren. Thank yes, you. Yes, indeed. Huge accomplishment. Well, I appreciate all your guys' encouragement and support over the last few years. Well, I think I, I, think I speak for the listeners when they say they've missed hearing your voice. It's about time to have ah, you back. That's sweet. <laughs> now I have my cat. My cat's name is Jaffa, <laughs> who has been living here in America with Grandma and Grandpa. He is currently assaulting me in the office where I'm recording. So when tell us cat. what Jaffa, in the Highlands they think of, of Stargate. Stargate in the Highlands? I don't know. I mean, obviously the show has always had a big UK following. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved over there, I moved over there in the fall of 2009, so it was when SGU was starting. And uh, I never had the advantage of getting down to any of the big conventions. You know, they have big events in London and, and the greater London area. Um, I had to take a few years off the convention circuit. But, um, but yeah, the UK is, is a, a, a big place for Stargate, certainly. I always find it very interesting that um, the, our listeners and uh, fans of the series and the franchise from overseas, their interest in the show, because when it really boils down to it, it's basically about the American military. Saving the universe. Right. So, yeah. uh, but then, you know, Downton Abbey is about a bunch of British folks in the 20s and the teens, and we seem to love that show over here. So. Yeah, and it's huge over here. Yeah, it's enormous over here. It's I've like not seen it. Six or seven million viewers. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I mean, I got to tell you, guys tend to really dig the show, too. Um, they, they've they done a fairly good job of, it's a soap opera, you know, like Dallas or Knots Landing or something like mm-hmm. that, but they do a good job of keeping enough historical elements in it to make it interesting for everybody. That's but, the one with Maggie Smith, right? Yeah. Oh, yes, the Dowager Countess. She's pretty funny <laughs> in it. <laughs> Is real. Yeah, I would love to have seen her. They, they keep it pretty interesting. Yeah, I would love to have seen her in a Stargate episode. Her oh, and Richard Maggie Dean would Anderson have would have been very funny together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I subject, subjected my wife to so much science fiction over the years. I figured it was only fair that I let her choose the the Sunday night viewing in the UK. So we watched Downton Abbey in its current third season, its first broadcast over there. Hmm. Yeah. Heck of a Christmas episode this year. Yeah. Heck of a Christmas episode. So um, so you didn't get to go to any of the cons, but I'm assuming that you found some fellow Stargate fans over there while you were there. I, You know, I think like you guys, I have always lived a dual life. <laughs> I have always lived my, my Stargate fandom, sci-fi fandom life. And then I have this whole other world, whether it's work or school or family or whatever, that just doesn't really understand that world 
So you keep I, it apart. I mean, not deliberately. It's just you know the the people that you hang out with or the people that you go to school with right. aren't science fiction fans. <laughs> so hmm. they've you know you, you get teased about about that life, which is which is fine. But uh, I can't, not a lot I of, can't say the same. Fans. I mean, I really appreciate, especially the first couple of years I was over there when David and I were still podcasting. Uh, and then having you on the show pretty frequently, Diana, um, that I had you guys to talk to about Stargate, about SGU. Because, uh, yeah, I didn't have a lot of a lot of hardcore sci-fi fans over there hmm. who were who were my friends in my, in a my lonely time. Very I so. Yeah. I have to but I had the I... internets. Yeah, you had the inner I had, I had our, our readers, yeah, our forum members to keep yeah. me grounded. Hence the luck of teaching uh, writing for television and film. I do tend to get more Stargate fans and science fiction fans in general that to surround myself with. Yeah, so you can take your fandom to work with you every day. I definitely take my fandom to work with me every day. Yes. <laughs> right on your sleeve. That's really funny because, you know, I mean, I, I generally speaking, you know, th- I mean, there are definitely people in my life who you know, are not as crazy a sci-fi fan as I am. But, you know, in, in terms of, like, entertainment speaking, pretty much everyone that I'm involved with, you know, watches Game of Thrones and enjoys it. Or, you mm-hmm. know, I'm uh, Fringe or one of those other things. I'm just now watching Fringe. I'm in season three. I've never seen it before. And, um, you know, I've, I've never had much of an issue of that. I mean, I mean, there and there are a couple of people that were at my work who are actually even crazier than I am. I mean... You know, one of our longtime um, guests on on uh, the podcast, Kevin Call, through Fused Film. One of the people that I work with is one of his one of his writers. Hmm. So, oh, really? and, yeah, I, yeah, I think I told hmm. you that in my um, when I was first getting into into eBay, I was with a class of uh, fourteen others, and one of them knew hmm. Kevin. So, you know, I mean, it's just it's a small world, and uh, you know, I. There's not really anyone that I can think of that I can't imagine, you know, not sharing my love of sci-fi with, you know, naturally feeling feeling the need to, you know, like not necessarily hide it under a bushel, but I don't think there's anyone that that I keep in my life that doesn't really understand it. I do, you know, on the understanding part though, I think the very definition of what science fiction is in television and film is changing so much right now. It's going through this big paradigm shift. There are no spaceship shows mm. um, that are on. Right. And, um, I mean, I uh, I was just doing a panel on Saturday at a uh, science fiction con, a local science fiction con, Vision Con, which was amazing. And Aaron Douglas was there, who was in several mm. Stargate episodes. We had a good long talk about that. And uh, I did a panel on Epilogue, and uh, there are several people who consider Star Wars to be science fiction. And, you know, from where I sit, it's not science fiction. Star Wars is not science fiction to you? Star Absolutely Wars. not. It's, it's space fantasy. You take the science... I mean, the definition that I was always taught was that if you take the science out of the story and the story still holds up, it's not science It's a pretty reasonable, fiction. yeah. Mm. You know? So, uh, whereas, I mean, Star Trek kind of straddles both worlds, I feel. I was going to say, this 11th movie is definitely more along the lines of space fantasy than science fiction. Maybe. I mean, I think we're all guessing at this point. We're all kind of filling in the blanks. We'll see. 
We'll mm-hmm. see what happens in the new one. And then, of course, he'll be moving over to the other sandbox and playing with Star Wars. Yeah. Did you see that cartoon that I posted? Yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. But at least Han Solo will be in it. So we should be happy. <laughs> we should be very, very happy. Yeah, that. more Star Wars. I'm definitely excited. We've not discussed that. That's that's much more recent news. Yeah, um, that's huge news. I was I remember sitting in uh, in my living room in Scotland just before we left, and reading this news story, this announcement to my wife, and my jaw was on the floor for about an hour and a half. I kept turning to yeah. my couch. Like 45 minutes later, after we'd moved on to the next thing, 45 minutes later, just turning to her and saying, "Wow." I cannot believe I'm going to see another Star Wars trilogy in my lifetime. Yeah. Did you see the interview with George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah, yeah. No. That came out right after the, the Yeah, it was good. That it was table, really good. Yeah. That roundtable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll have to link it for so you can see it, Diana. I That's Yeah, fun. I am more pessimistic than you guys are. I am not a big fan of that director, so... <laughs> No, I mean, I feel Having that J.J. Abrams comes from the background of let's <clears> just throw as many crazy ideas at the wall and see what sticks in anything that he does. Um, you know, and as much as I found Lost fascinating, even it at times, it, there's a lot of things that were unanswered at the end of the day on Lost. Sure. Um, and Prometheus, which was basically written by a protege of J.J. Abrams, it suffered from that greatly. No. I don't know if you can throw J.J. Abrams at that. What did you, what did you think of Super 8? I didn't see it. I had no desire to see it. I have no desire to see anything Abrams does. Oh, I just boy. really don't like his work. It was really okay. Well, it was, it was, I think the movie was Super 8 right. is, I think it's it's much more representative of, of the kind of movies he would like to make than e. something like Lost. You, th- you think he wants to make E.T.? Well, I mean, by and large, the E.T. was a big inspiration for him mm-hmm. in his childhood. Mm-hmm. Well, when he does Star Trek, when he does Star Wars, he's, I mean, he's, he's not an independent filmmaker. He has you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to, to do these big franchise movies. So, I mean, at the end of the day, all you can hope is that he's going to do a good job and that he's, he's going to be relatively left alone, like Joss Whedon was left alone, relatively speaking, with Avengers. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I would much rather have Joss Whedon do Star Star Wars or Star Trek, for that matter. But, you know, here's the real question with J.J. Abrams and Star Wars. Do we need to start counting the lens flares? It's definitely a J.J. Abrams. I mean, even in Fringe, it's all over Fringe, the lens flares. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of an unknown quantity to me before Star Trek came out in 2009. And I just, I really love that film. I think it was really, really faithful to what I grew up loving. Maybe he's maybe the next one's not going to be as great. Maybe he can do Star Wars in my mind, but he won't be able to do Star or er, Star Trek in my mind, but he won't be able to do Star Wars. But so far, I'm my my confidence is running pretty high because I really like that. Uh, yeah, I'm actually more confident about the second Star Trek movie than I was the first one, just based off of you know the, the various theories as to who uh, John Harrison is. So um, I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with the series, definitely. Have you seen any of the uh, – either of you seen any of the material, the trailers or whatnot for uh, Defiance? Yeah. I've been, been keeping track of that show uh, fairly closely. We have a Defiance section on GateWorld's sister site, sci-fi stream.com. 
Um, so I'm definitely planning on, on checking it out. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see that. At least in the beginning, there will be spaceships, so that'll be kind of fun. And there's some great cast members in there. Yeah. I mean, Jamie I... Jamie Murray, right, from Warehouse 13. Mm-hmm. I think I probably like a lot of... Like you guys and, and a lot of our listeners, which is there's just not much of anything on Sci-Fi Channel that interests me right now. No. Because I'm kind of more of a traditional science fiction fan. Um so I'm going to have a look at Defiance, show, but yeah. Yeah, the fact that this show has multiple alien races and is not set on just like present day Earth. It's, it seems to me like a step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I also think the pedigree is pretty strong. I mean, you're talking about the guy who brought us Farscape and brought us Alien Nation, which was a magnificent series. And ironically enough, there are two Dexter alumna in the show. And that is Jamie Murray, who was in the second season as Lila. Okay. Yes. And then okay. uh, Julie Benz, who was Rita. Yeah. So. Yes, I know Julie Benz. I love, I love her. I, I know her first from uh, Old Buffy. And Angel as Darla. Yes. And Angel as Darla. Um, but more recently, uh, I really enjoyed her on No Ordinary Family. I don't know oh, if you guys yeah. saw that one. It only lasted yes, for one season it. on ABC. A very kind of short family, season. Yeah, family superhero show. Mm. Like, what if they took The Incredibles and made it a live-action series? And she was the mom on that. Yep, yep. Did not do well in the ratings. Yeah. I think the network just didn't know how to market it. And I think that's part of the problem in general that we have with science fiction is that they, these folks just don't understand how to market the stuff to make it appealing to everybody. And yet the big sci-fi films do great at the box office, so go figure. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't know what it is about that. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You look at, like, the the, the greatest grossing films of all time, and so many of them are sci-fi. They just yep. are. So there's something about it that keeps reeling people in. Well, you know, it's interesting because we, we had said we were going to talk about what's coming up in television and film for science fiction uh, and fantasy. We should give fantasy its due. Talk about Game of Thrones, which is coming soon, mm-hmm. uh, the third season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I keep a, an eye on all the pilots that are uh, being shot and being uh, that are being greenlit. And yeah. I have not seen one mention of one science fiction pilot being shot at all. Oh, you're kidding me. No, no. It's all comedy and drama. Oh, there's... Well, I, I guess if you don't define Star Wars as science fiction, then we're going to have to figure out what counts as science fiction. Mm-hmm. Because there's this... You know, every time there's there's a, a network show that's relatively successful, like Lost in 2004, there's there's a season or two subsequent... Where that formula tries to get it's a clone get replicated. Yeah. So all the networks try something that's kind of lostish. So right after Lost, we got these one season wonders like Threshold and Invasion and Surface um, that didn't really hit. And it seems to be Revolution is doing that this season. Um, if you have a broad definition of sci-fi fantasy, there's I've never seen so many genre pilots being developed. Hmm. Well, right now, what I'm seeing is a lot of fantasy stuff. Um, yeah, well, a lot course, of it and, and fantasy, comic book stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, Once Upon a Time has done so well. And by the way, Robert Carlyle just killed it 
in this week's episode, Manhattan. I mean, he had to basically play three versions of himself. <laughs> and let me, he was extraordinary. He was, he was extraordinary in a way I don't think we got to see on Stargate Universe. But, uh, yeah, NBC is going to be doing a Alice in Wonderland sequel pilot. Uh, Game of Thrones has been very successful. Of course. They're going to do an Alice in Wonderland sequel TV series. Yep. Okay. Well, they've done like a, a pilot order. Spin-off of Once well, Upon a it's, Time. It's a sequel and it's a pilot order. It's just for the pilot. So, okay. you know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, but Damon Lindelof has got Lindelof has got a uh, pilot with HBO, but it looks more. Like it's called Leftovers, and it's it looks very Stephen King esque, uh, very small town, something odd is going on type of thing. Mm, yeah. Uh, speaking of Stephen King, what about Under the Dome? Where is that? You know, I cannot believe the show is going to air in June, and they haven't finished casting it yet, and it's February. Uh, I don't yeah, I get was, it. I was surprised by that. I, I was reading that they were doing Under the Dome as a summer miniseries. And then I saw this casting notice last week. I'm like, wait, casting in February? They're still ca- they haven't casted the lead yet. Barbie um, hasn't been casted? No. No, they've casted Big Jim. I thought Mike Vogel was going to be Barbara. Oh, no, I hadn't seen that. But uh, I'm still, I mean, I just saw an uh, announcement that... Uh, I forgot who's going to play Big Jim, but that just came out a couple of days ago. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how the heck they're going to get that done. They're mm. going to spend a lot of money very quickly um, to make that happen. Uh, oh, and also Disneyland is doing uh, something. Actually, no, this is for the big screen. It's called Tomorrowland. And I think it's based Tomorrowland, off. Tomorrowland, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's um... based off the, the, the part of the park? Yep. Yep. Okay. Are they trying to re- replicate what, what the, their success with Pirates of the Caribbean? They're trying to do that with about five or six different rides, actually. Wow. Yeah. Am I thinking of something else? Is Tomorrowland not the new name that they just gave to Damon Lindelof's 1952 or 1945 or whatever it was? Well, Tomorrowland is in Disneyland. Yeah, it's Disney's Tomorrowland, formerly known as 1952, and the, the inspiration okay. for the name does come from the ride. Yeah. Okay, so it starts with the ride. And this is this is Lindelof's script. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but Disney is just—I mean—they're gobbling up everything. It's uh, if it wasn't yeah, for are. the fact that we know that they can behave themselves. I mean, Avengers—they really kept their hands off really quite well. Mm-hmm. I would be worried. No, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, still no spaceships, and I, you know, I, you gotta wonder once again. We talked about this, I think, last year about the parallel between the fact that we have no shuttle, we have no operating shuttles right now in real life. So is that why we mm-hmm. have no spaceship shows? It's it makes you wonder. I mean, ship ship show after ship show just keeps on getting shot down. SGU, Firefly, Virtuality, and you've got. Um, Defying gravity. I mean, what 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 else am I missing? What other ship shows am I recent, missing in recent memory? Uh, recent years, that's shot, shot down. That's, Enterprise went off the air. Enterprise, well, Enterprise five is, years now. Yeah, whoa, five, way beyond years. that. Yeah, yeah. Enterprise finished in two thousand five. So. Wow, was it really that long? Uh huh. Yeah, it, Enterprise oh, aired just before September eleventh. Okay. So, 
it's I'm ready for a new one, but I'm ready for one that isn't like ah, heck. I, Lord knows what I want. I mean, I have no idea what I want. I want <laughs> something set in space. You know, virtuality and uh, defined gravity were basically the same thing when you got really down to it. They were both, you know, like they were hybridized in terms of like, you know, YouTube kind of quality and, you know, and space exploration. And it, both, you know, were good. I, I enjoyed them both, but they're just not clicking with ratings. And there's no. just something about, you know, I don't know why these things can do hugely well in the box office and then just tank on TV. There's some something going on there that the, some something's not clicking. Yeah. Well, the rating action. system is a joke anyway, and we know that. And we've had that. We've discussed that to death. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just uh, they haven't come up with a new model. I mean, comedies have become very big in the last couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, at one point the sitcom had almost died as an, mm-hmm. as a art form and it came yeah. back about three, four years ago, quite strongly. And now you have Tuesday and Thursday nights and Wednesdays, you have a ton of comedies on, uh, but now comedies are starting to die in the ratings. Everybody's going down in the ratings. Except for procedurals and, um, yeah. uh, reality based TV and American Idol and all these others. You know, yep. everything well, I mean, is just the same thing. Genre-wise, let's give a shout-out to a, I guess it would be classified more as a fantasy show, that's doing gangbusters in the ratings and is a pretty original show. Walking Dead is setting records just about every week now. 12 million people? Yep. Wow. And it's gone through three showrunners. The joke for television yeah. writers is that that's the series to write a spec episode for because if you write a spec episode for a series, that's the one place that it can never get read. Nobody wants to work for AMC because they mm-hmm. keep firing their showrunners. <laughs> or that's the one to write a spec script for because you never know. In another couple of years, you might be the showrunner. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not even a couple of years. I mean, the, show, the, the, the series has gone three years and it's had three showrunners. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, and yet the ratings just continue to go up. So all that says to the network to is that they're fine. That you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to change showrunners. Yeah, but those creatives are just dispensable. Yep. Keep in mind, Walking Dead is from a graphic novel, it, they who they are keeping involved heavily. So you've got yeah. someone who is able to keep an eye on all the corners of the map and make sure that these characters don't get shuffled off the pages. Exactly. Yeah. That is a show that I've been meaning to pick back up. I haven't seen since the beginning of season two. And, man, there's a lot of stuff that's happened since then. I actually caught an episode the other night. and I was over at uh, Tammy's, actually, Darren. And, oh, yeah. uh, man, there have been some changes. Yeah, I've really so. enjoyed season three so far. They just picked up a couple of weeks ago. They just picked up the second half of the third season. And uh, it's going strong. I'm it's kind of a bummer to think about the fact that the showrunner who made this season is now gone and who knows what season four is going to look like, but I have a feeling it'll look like zombies <laughs> and, and gore. Yeah. 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 But it seems like horror and <laughs> fantasy. I mean, game of Thrones comes back uh, in a month and a half Yay! and this is such an intense year. They're basically taking the book the for first this half. year and they're splitting it into two. 
So it's going to be pretty crazy. I mean, there's some, this is in some ways the craziest of all of the books that have been published so far. So uh, yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting. But yeah, I mean, this is mm. this is what's going on in publishing. Quite frankly, is that science fiction books are not selling well like fantasy books are or horror horror for that matter so i think the genre is about to do some big paradigm shifting i have no idea what direction it's going to go in though everything yeah. has a time well, i think i watch the, the television side primarily and yeah it as excited as i am about all the the sort of genre-esque pilots that are in development uh, they are sort of I mean they're watered down for popular consumption right mm -hmm. a lot of networks are, are sort of doing what Sci-Fi Channel has been doing for the last five plus years which is coming up with something that's kind of has a sci-fi twist to it but has mass appeal Right. there's nothing they're wrong with that it. it just I don't like it being the only thing no, I mean it can result in some some perfectly good shows, but um, you know you and you and I we would like to see a, an outer space show. We would like to see the next Star Trek, the next Stargate. Um, Why can't an outer space series be easily consumable? Well, it's always been a challenge. It requires thought. It's uh, you know it requires. Does understanding. it require the audience to be engaged? Well, for one thing, you heard me say earlier, what's the definition of science fiction? Yeah. Science. And um, the viewing audience tends to have an allergy to science, hence the reason why, at least in this country, our, our students are doing so poorly in science and math, you know? So I suspect there's some sort of correlation there. It's concerning, definitely. Um, I think also, though, that uh, in television you get a lot of hack writers who don't understand it's not necessary to do technobabble to mm -hmm. uh, get the story across. Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined version, Rondi Moore went out of his way to make sure there was no technobabble mm -hmm. in that series. And it, it, there wasn't, and it was a phenomenal show, and it, man, it had some spaceships. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, then uh, I mean, did either of you guys see the prequel, Blood and Chrome? I haven't gotten yeah. around to watching it yet. Yeah, I watched it when it was broadcast on Sci-Fi just just here this month. What did you think, Darren? It was pretty phenomenal. I mean, story-wise, it was kind of a little bit by the numbers, uh, but I thought visually it was stunning. It was it was gorgeously produced. See, and that's what I think is part of the problem is that it needs to be good story. It has to be rooted in story. And to me, it felt so derivative of Battlestar Galactica. It was doing nothing new that I was bored. I don't even think I finished it. I think that's my fear oh, as to why I haven't really watched it yet. Because, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like The Hobbits or any of these other things. You know, I mean, it's taking its cues from something that has come before that has already been immensely successful and trying to say, yeah. I want to do that again, please. And it's not. And I don't even think I'm going to see the, se the other two Hobbit films. I was so disappointed in this one. It was pathetic. Yeah. It's like I have no desire to, to try that again. I've done it. I've seen it. Well, I suppose Blood and Chrome was it was going back to the well in that respect, and I watched it as somebody who had followed the news about it, its development, 
and knew that sci-fi had passed on it yeah. as a TV series. So this is probably going to be the only version of it yeah. we'll ever see. So I went into it thinking, hey, it's been a few years since they did anything BSG. This is, this is a warm blanket. This is mm-hmm. a return to that universe. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So it was fun because it was familiar. And as a prequel, they're obviously looking to create sort of touch points mm-hmm. with the familiar. I'll tell you where good science fiction is existing right now as far as the visual medium is concerned, though it's not spaceships. And that's web series. Um, the streamies just happened, and it, no surprise, Brian Singer's H++ won the, the, the top streamy award. But hmm. we're at a point now where there's like six or 700 web series online now. Wow. Yeah. And, um, six or 700. Yes, and I'm not exaggerating. And I know this in part because of Epilogue from our own web series. Oh, so not necessarily ongoing, but maybe no. miniseries. Well, yeah, web series that have been done, you know, at okay. least a season has been done. And okay, been I was thinking ongoing. To, right, they've been right. submitted to large competitions. Well, the problem is there is no, uh, right now, very few web series are actually making money. Um, mm-hmm. With uh, in regards to making the show, they're getting it out there, but you right. really have to get into ancillary rights like the Guild does with its DVDs. But there is a lot of science fiction out there. There really is. That is clever science fiction. And uh, to the point where the studios now are starting to get involved with it, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, science fiction, part of the appeal of science fiction is that it's cutting edge and as soon as the network gets involved, it gets watered down and it starts being played safe and it loses that edge that it has to it. But that edge can be great. I mean, I still maintain the first Matrix film is one of the most genius films mm-hmm. of the last 25 years. I like to pretend the other two never happened. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you think about it, if you think back on, on that film, it was quite edgy for its time. Yeah. You know, but it did great at the box office. There was something for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, the genre is going through some fits and starts, and right now it is leaning towards fantasy and horror, and that that's okay. Darren, mm-hmm. do you have a chance to listen to the Big Finish, any of the more of the Big Finish stuff? David, have you had a chance to listen to any more of it? There's some great stuff on there. I mean, if that's a place science fiction is going to exist for now, we could do a lot worse than the Stargate uh big Finnish audio productions that they're doing. This is certainly true. I'm right in the middle of Infiltration, which is the um, the third audiobook in in the third series right now. So that's got um, uh, Michael Shanks, Claudia Black, Cliff Simon, and a host of other casts. So. Yeah, I'm listening to that myself, and it's great to hear Cliff's voice on there. It's just so engaging. Mm-hmm. It's almost dangerous to be listening to while I'm driving, to be honest. <laughs> Usually it's not a big deal, but it's just so well done and so thrilling that I'm taking now to listening to it at home where I can just relax and really get into it. I love it. Have you have you heard any of it, Darren? I uh, I haven't listened through a full one yet. I just started with the, the first of the new series, Series 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have it all loaded up for my commute this week. Are you are you happy with what you've heard? Yeah, well, I mean, series three starts out with with Claudia, correct, doing Vala, and it's uh, it's just after after having heard virtually nothing from these characters for so many years, it's suddenly that world is alive again. 
And it's, I mean, Big Finish has been doing Doctor Who audio dramas for years, and that that franchise, when the when the franchise was off the air before the the modern day uh, restart, uh, that franchise lived through audio dramas hmm. and yes. novels. And then you know the other place too that we might get to have some fun soon is uh, the new game that's coming out, SG One Unleashed, and that comes out in just a. Uh, couple of weeks it's going to be interesting to see what this is um just how much interaction there is with it because it is i think it's more of a story um i don't I, i'm curious to see what the level of interaction will be um a little bit a little bit concerned that it's going to just kind of fall flat on its face in terms of okay unless i do this and this and this with my fingers in just this amount of time i die and i mm. can't progress forward with the story until i do can't just this and this and this and then progress, and then I do the next thing, and I have to move my fingers in such a way, and if I don't, I die. So I'm really – I haven't seen it yet. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they how they tell – how they decide to, you know, yeah. intertwine story and game. And I'm thrilled that they're doing it. I kind of wonder if it's going to be more like a choose-your-own-adventure where there's enough interaction that you can feel like you are helping to compel the story along. Uh, but not get stuck like like you would in in certain video games where you can't progress in the narrative until you meet a certain objective. Uh, but yeah, Arcalis Interactive is pitching it as an episode. It's mm-hmm. episode one of Stargate SG One Unleashed. You can read more about it at GateWorld. Um, and the story was written by Sally Malcolm. Yes, from, from Fandemonium, who's written lots of she's done the audio dramas as well as several novels. In the Stargate universe. Well, she is the publisher and editor of Fandemonium, so, mm-hmm. yep, good place to start. Listen, I mean, the Tilk, the, the, the Tilk game component they did was terrific, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I agree. And obviously that there is more sound involved with this new one because we know that the actors have all been brought in to record lines for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are calling it a game, though. They are not calling it a story. They are calling it an interactive game for mobile yeah, devices. Interactive adventure, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, let, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, they've got me. I'm going to buy it. If this thing makes me go out and buy an iPad, I'll really be pissed. <laughs> I don't want an iPad. I don't need an iPad. But I can only imagine how difficult it'll be enjoying this thing on my iPhone. So. Yeah, I can't even imagine, says the woman as she hugs her iPad closely. Uh, I mean, I've I, never wanted one of those damn things. I mean, I have used this iPad. I've, it's but see, you do. You have, you have reason to. You, you are moving from classroom to classroom. or yeah. you know, I mean, it's good for teachers. It's good for doctors who have to go into different rooms and access their database through a cloud. I have no use for one. <laughs> so. Well, I got a Kindle Fire HD... For my graduation present to myself hmm. just before oh. Christmas, and I love it, but I haven't played played the the Tilt game yet because all the Android stuff is delayed. So uh, Unleashed is coming out in March for iOS for your iPhone and your iPad, and then about a month later before it hits Android devices. You know, in a year where we don't have any spaceship shows, we sure have a lot of science fiction cons that are conventions that are going to be going on this year, and it's already gotten underway. It's uh, everybody's already jumping up and down about shore leave, and I just did this panel, this thing this weekend, Vision Con. And I've seen a lot of other 
people posting about different conventions they went to this weekend. Mm -hmm. Diana, do you feel like at this point in in 2013 that sort of the little guy, the little con, is, is becoming more and more common? Yes, and I think that's a great thing. I mean, for instance, the con that I went to this weekend, Vision Con, um, I was a guest there for the first time about 10 years ago. Wow. And it had maybe 500, 600 people. And my understanding is over the years they got it up to about 1,200. Well, there were 2,000 hmm. people there. Wow. And it was light. There was no hassle. There was no disorderly conduct. Um, you know, people were able to just go up and talk to Aaron. It was, it was just a very nice size con. And David and I have done TimeGate a couple of times. They've asked us to come back next year. Right. Uh, that is, a, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. It really is like a big extended family. And if it can be big enough that they can afford to bring in somebody like an Aaron D- Douglas, then it's, uh, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. It really is. Uh, this Houston one, David and I are going to be. It's going to say, yeah, at Space City Con in Houston, which is where I am moving to in June, <laughs> uh, and uh, they're going to have a huge amount of guests there. John Delancey is going to be there. There's like four Tim or Russ, five Stargate. Tim Russ, a couple of Power Rangers. Yeah. Whom I'm looking forward to meeting. Tori Higginson is going to be there. Yeah, Tori is yeah. going to be there. Is going to be. Quite a few Stargate and Star Trek, Walter Koenig, John Delancey, Terry Higginson, um, uh, Robert Picardo, yep. J.G. Hertzler, Martok. That's cool. Of course. I'm excited about that. August 2nd through 4th. Yes. Space City Con. So that's going to be more than a couple of thousand, of course. But then on the flip side, there's Comic-Con, which has just gotten unruly and impossible. Mm. It's been pretty – I only do it, you know, because I have work. I don't go to enjoy it per se. In fact, I generally stay away from it as much as I can while I'm there. It's changed. I mean, the first time I went like five years ago, it was a treat. You hung out and just – you were friends. You became instant friends with everybody. Now Mm -hmm. it's just lining up to get swag. Mm. Yeah. That's all it is now. And you can't even get into the panels unless you park like three days ahead of time to get into one panel. Mm. So, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, not, it's not good like the small cons are. And also, you know, with the price of fuel and the price of airplane tickets, the small cons are very – it's very wise to do them. Now, wasn't there a very big Stargate con up in Vancouver and it's had its last year or it's going to have its last year? I think so, yeah. I think that, that last year – I mean it's been a few years because I was in Scotland that I had an opportunity to go myself. But I believe that last year was the sort of the farewell for the Vancouver Stargate convention. I think that they're still doing Chicago in the Oh, are time. they now? Okay. Yeah, they're no longer doing Vancouver anymore because I mean the big draw to that part of partly was the the location and the set tours. Yes. So. Yes. And Dragon Con is still very popular. I mean, Dragon Con's very interesting. They hold uh, they hold big... panels twenty four seven. Yeah, Dragon Con wow. is pretty big. I have friends who do there every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of gate worlders, a lot of our our staff, our our forum moderators and a lot of our just regulars 
who we've become great friends with by having the chance to go to conventions and meet them face to face and hang out with them for the weekend who I remember um, my last year or so at the Vancouver convention uh, which would have been three years ago now just said you know this is probably going to be my last time up here because it's so expensive Mm -hmm. the economy is doing what it's doing and a lot of people just decided that that they were at least going to have to take a couple years off and that's just the way it was so now they're finding other conventions maybe that are closer to them that are easier to get to where they can still meet up every once in a while we've got some of our our gate worlders are coming here to seattle in the next couple of weeks for emerald city comic-con you're hooking uh, up with them, right? Which, yeah, I'll get to I'll get to hang out with them a little bit and, and have lunch and, and see some of them that I haven't seen for years. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a big con, the Seattle con, and uh, and they'll have some Stargate guests here: Michael Shanks and Lexa Duig and Paul McGillian, and some others will be there. So obviously, if these cons are all doing well, that I would say that demonstrates that the interest is still very strong for the genre. Yeah, suggests it to me. Yeah, it would say, once again, no surprise, that Nielsen is just way out of touch. It seems like it's hard for any one franchise or one show to support a full event, unless it's the current popular thing, like Vampires. Or World of Warcraft. Twilight or Vampire Diaries or something. <laughs> or Vampire Diaries or something. Or Star Trek, which, at least on the convention scene, seems to be fairly ever it's never had it's yeah it's never had a problem with having convention there's there are so many versions of that series now you know that you've got not in just in terms of guests alone you've got plenty of fodder for that but also it, it spans so many generations that you'll there's always going to be a group of people that who will want to say you know i want to go i go i want to go to my first star trek convention now please and my oldest is seven now and at some point um i'm going to be introducing my kids to star trek you haven't already. They're going to be getting into those shows. Well, they they've uh, they've seen a little bit of Voyager here and there. I was going to say, sure. Just I mean, I was into Star Trek by the time I was five. So, yes, me too. I would I would think the original series would be safe to show them. Yeah, uh, we've colors. Yeah, we've we've limited their their TV viewing pretty pretty strictly. What you guys would probably consider pretty strict, um, but. Um, yeah, in the next few years, I'm going to want to be getting my kids into the shows that I grew up loving. So, hopefully, they will become fans and they will become they will become uh, older kids. Yeah, and certainly by the time they reach their their teenage years, who might want to go to a Star Trek convention see, that's and the thing. see Michael Dorn in person. They may hate it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, <laughs> so, the funny thing, Tammy and. Tammy and her husband, you know, they're huge, huge sci-fi yeah, fans, and they, they produce two twins, a boy and a girl, who have no interest in science fiction, so whatever. Yeah, I my daughter is the same way. You know, when my daughter was very little, we would watch Next Generation together every week, and then there was the episode where Data's head, I forget which episode it is, but the card mm, holds zero. up Data's head, and my daughter just screamed, and I had to shut off the TV set, and that was it for her. Oh, oh no. Wow. That was it. She was off of sci-fi after that. Wow. Oh, my. No interest. I had to beg her to watch Epilogue. She didn't want to watch it. She hates science fiction now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, good luck, Darren. Thank you. <laughs> Might want to start them with something simple, like some fantasy, like something kink with, like, Sword in the Stone. 
Yeah, I'm trying to find them something that that is uh, that they can get excited about at their age that still kind of has the the familiar elements of of you know the team or that sort of thing. So there's a British uh, animated series. Uh, I think it's actually produced in Canada, but it's been airing in in the UK and now on Disney Channel in the US called Octonauts. And the Octonauts, Octonauts are cute little undersea animals who are basically like an adventure team. Hmm. Uh, so they're way into that right now. Interesting. But I, I'm looking at these shows and I'm thinking, you know, in a lot of respects, these are kind of paving the way for the love of something like Star Trek and Stargate and, and the team dynamics and going out on missions. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, David, you were five. I was... Uh... 1966, yeah, I was basically Probably five. before five. Yeah, no, I was five. Yeah. Um, and uh, that set it for me in stone. It was all about the bridge crew for me. Yep. Not Until I was about six years old, I wasn't allowed to watch anything except public television and Star Trek, and that was mm-hmm. it. But, I mean, my dad, you know, who was watching, you know, the original series while, while in Vietnam, you know, couldn't have imagined that his son would have done with it what he has, so... I kind of yeah. took that ball and ran with it. I need to yeah. pick me up some of these new TNG Blu-ray releases and, uh, They're and get gorgeous. the kids going. They're yeah, absolutely there's some... gorgeous. I think I saw somewhere that on April 25th there's best going to be... Best of both worlds. Be... Yep, best of both worlds. I am going to go see that in the theater. I, I said to myself, you know, they've they've put like Q-Who and you know, Measure of a Man together and put it in the theater. When Best of Both Worlds, finally both of them are released on Blu-ray... I will mm-hmm. find somewhere in, in Phoenix where they are showing it that one night, and I will go see it. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be very, very awesome. That was I remember watching those episodes. Yep. They were pretty amazing. I wonder if they're going to be showing it where I live. I would go, definitely. Keep your eyes peeled. It's like when well, Star Wars, you know, when episode four, at some point when it comes back into the theater, I will see it. That film is designed to be a theatrical experience. Yeah. You know, Best of Both Worlds was an event, you know, it shaped, you know, a lot of who I was when I was when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I also think Best of Both Worlds is where it really turned a corner and got out of the cheese factor. Oh, everyone started taking it seriously at that point. Yes, exactly. It's like, oh, this is how it's going to be. OK, we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Season three has so many gems. I mean, it's got yesterday's Enterprise as well. I love uh, Data's, the episode where he creates a daughter. I love it. Oh, mm-hmm. that was a good episode. Yeah. But, I mean, the Best of Both Worlds took Picard and said, okay, th- this is um, this character's potential, and just ran with him. So what are you most looking forward to in 2013? On film, on television, in terms of the genre, what's, good, what's the big deal this year? Catching Fire. I get to wait all year for it. It's my favorite of the books of the Hunger this Games is the, trilogy. The second Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the books. All right. So November. We haven't had much chance to talk about that, you and me. Are you? A, are have you read them? No, I haven't. I I saw the movie when it came out, and uh, uh, and I really liked it. Oh uh, well, if you read the book, the book is in her head the entire time, and you have to infer a lot of stuff based on. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's either performance or expressions or what she's right, right. But in the, I mean, so really, the the movie really was for fans of the books, and it's the first yeah. film series that I have watched 
after reading the books because I, I learned the hard way, you know, with my friends, a couple of my friends who were huge Tolkienites going to see Lord of the Rings. They tore those films to shreds. They couldn't enjoy oh, them. They couldn't enjoy bad. them because every diversion in Peter Jackson's vision of Tolkien's work drove them crazy while we were sitting in the theater. And it's just like, you know what? I, That's too no. bad. I, all the Harry Potter movies I saw before reading the book, the book was always better. But with with um, Hunger Games, I said, you know what? I want to read this first, and it was so satisfying to go to the theater and mm. and get that experience that that experience visually because it really was one of the strongest film adaptations of a book I've ever seen. Good, yeah. I, I picked up the book after I'd seen the movie, and I I noticed that obviously the first thing that stands out is that it's written in the sort of the immediacy of of the present first person present yeah. tense. Yeah. That's very big in YA fantasy now. Is first is it? First, yeah, first and present tense. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the big thing. I know, Diana. I know you weren't a huge fan of it, but I mean, you definitely have your reasons. So yeah, I mean, I just—it's all very derivative to me. It's all been done before. I mean, the thing I'm really looking forward to is Elysium. Uh, besides the fact that I love that name, uh, it's Jodie Foster uh-huh. back in science fiction and Matt Damon. Yeah. I haven't heard of and, this. Yeah, it's uh, coming out in August. It looks just phenomenal. Yeah, you're uh, going to start hearing about it. I think yeah. it's been in the works for a long time. Shanks has a role in that movie. Yeah. Really? I think he does. Yeah. Yes, he does. So, information, please. Information. Well, I mean, it's uh, set in the year 2159. The wealthy live on a man-made space station while the rest of the population lives on a ruined Earth. And, uh, you know, there's obviously it's about social change and mm. and uh, affecting the status quo. I just Jodie Foster is just one of my absolute favorites. Contact is. Oh, I love contact. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I owned the DVD and then I went and bought the Blu-ray and yeah. watched the Blu-ray. And I think I've seen the movie now four or five times. The book is even better, believe it or not. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I am looking forward to that. And Iron Man 3. There you go. It's going to be good. Yeah, it looks I'm a great. Marvel fan. I'm a Marvel girl, absolutely. That's where the red hair comes from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trailer looks great. And I also, I just saw the international trailer for Oblivion, the new Tom Cruise I'm, sci-fi movie. You shared that with me after we logged off. And when I yeah. logged on the other day. Did you it, watch it? It, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am, I am well aware of it, and I'm looking forward to it. Everyone says it's a live-action Wally, but it, it, it certainly does have some yeah, of those man. elements to it. But I find it compelling. It looks cool. You know, Tom I Cruise mean, isn't the greatest, but you know he's Tom Cruise. In his, uh, I like the fact that he does sci-fi every once in a while. It can be hit and miss. I thought Minority Report was was pretty excellent. Uh, yeah. War of the Worlds, not so much. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, mm-hmm. this will be a good one. Yeah. Where are you getting that it's a live-action Wally though? Because when I see the trailers for Oblivion, I'm like. I still don't understand what this movie is about. Uh, cleaning up the earth. Mm. Oh, okay. He's like he's like Wally. He's the robot who's left behind to sort of keep things tidy. Yeah, oh, I love but Wally. but not. I think the more that we find out about the film, I think we're going to find out that that's you know not right. it at all. Upside down. Have you guys have any interest in this? No, I, I haven't even heard, heard of it. it. Okay, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, go to apple.com slash trailers, and you'll see it's two worlds that literally live. You you look up, and you see you see the other world, like right right there. Like 
uh, mm. two floors of an office building, you look straight up and, and 18 feet away from you or nine feet away from you is the head of someone else in, this, in an identical, you know, uh, built a room of cubicles. Um, wow. these, these two worlds, you know, live immediately with one another. And one, one guy from one side falls in love with the person above him on another side. So it's, it's got Kirsten Dunst in it. And it's an interesting idea. I'm not sure how well executed it will be. Yeah. Well, as a French Canadian, it's being coined as a romantic science fiction film. So, um, but it sounds—I mean, it sounds like a great concept. Yeah, really. and I pretend that it's like a sequel to Melancholia. Yeah, I think that's what it's going for, Darren. I think you hit it on the nose. No. Yeah. What? What's that? Melancholia. Nah, uh, <laughs> Kirsten Dunst did a Lars von Trier film in okay. 2011. IMDb tells me. I just saw it last year. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know, but uh, it looks interesting. And the trailer for it certainly was interesting. The next Star Trek. The, yes. It looks good. It really looks good. Um, I have high hopes. I love the first one. And this one looks fantastic so far. So do we think it's Gary Mitchell? I hope it's Gary Mitchell. If it's Khan, I'm really going to be disappointed. Oh, I think everybody's going to be disappointed. Yeah, I just I'm, I'm think that to, wouldn't be a bad move. I'm I hope it's someone we know. Leaves. I'm trying to read the the producers, and it, it it seems odd that we've gotten this far and they haven't said. So apparently, they have some reason. Well, they've said who it is: John Harrison, whoever the hell that so is. Not saying. No, so, I mean, that's either he's, a, that's either a, he's a brand new character or. But for some reason, they decided not to come out and say, okay, guys, it's not Khan. Okay, guys, it's not Gary Mitchell. I'm trying to figure out why why they haven't confirmed anything yet. John Harrison is a writer, but he also may be a character in the new Star Trek movie. Yeah, He's a sci-fi writer. Science fiction and fantasy. I worked with him on Tales from the Dark Side very, very long, long ago in a galaxy far away. (laughs) Uh, But he did uh, Tales from the Dark Side... Tales from the Crypt, Earth 2, Dune, the miniseries, which was really actually quite good. Uh, mm. He's written a bunch of leverages. Um, actually, no, that was directing. Excuse me. I'm looking at his directing credits. Uh, Book of Blood, Blank Slate, Painkiller Jane, Ch- Child, Children of Dune, Dune, Dinosaur, Tales from the Crypt. So, you think so the I mean, Star he's Trek known. Character was was named after this guy? No, she's saying that it's a red herring. It's to keep us occupied until oh, right. they decide to announce the actual name of the individual. Yeah. Which they. And that's not the first time this has been done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I assume that there's going to be one more big trailer before the release of this movie, and that will contain the information. So all we know right now is that this guy's a terrorist who's blowing up Earth, or some part of it. Well, he's returned to Earth. Doesn't he say that at once? It says, I have returned, which says to me that we should know some. We should know who this is. So if not, I'll be truly disappointed. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyone have any interest in World War Z? Yes. No. Okay. No? Not in the least. Are you a fan of the book? No, I have no familiarity whatsoever with oh, it. The book other is than excellent. The trailer. Well, if you're raving about Walking Dead, Darren, why are you so vehemently opposed to World War Z? It's kind of a, a minor miracle that I blame David Reed for that I even watch Walking Dead uh, because I'm not I – do, I don't like the horror genre and I generally stay away from zombies. Walking Dead just happens to be such a great sort of character drama and it doesn't go for the cheap scare no, it most doesn't. of the time. There's, I've, I've, there's been a few times where I've, I've thought, ah, it's not quite fair. 
I don't watch stuff to be scared. So I don't know. Based on the trailer that I saw, nah, it's not for me. Mm, that's fair enough. But you guys are clearly excited about it, so please talk. No, oh, I am not. Oh, oh I, the, I am, I am, and I am not. I am because the book is excellent. It's not based on it's. Well, it's, no, I take that back. It's based on the book, but it does, right. it has nothing to do with the spirit of what the book was, the which was after. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was right. almost like an NPR report, and that's not what this is. I'm not a fan of Brad Pitt, even though he's from here. I'm sorry. I'm just not no. a fan. Um, so, uh, I mean, that takes away from it. But I do like zombies. I do find the zombie sub-genre very, very interesting. I mean, 28 Days Later is a phenomenal mm-hmm. film. I couldn't watch it. It made me huh. so sick to my stomach it was so realistic. I had to turn it off. The other one that I'm keeping my eye out for, which may fall flat on its face, was Oz the Great and Powerful. I'm a James Franco fan, and I think, you know, that if it does it right, you know, it could really do, you know, it could really do L. L. Frank Baum justice. And Zach Braff from Scrubs. He's in it. Yeah. 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 Raquel Welsh, Michelle Williams, Mila Kunis. Uh, We'll see. When does it come out? Uh, March 8th. March 8th. Right around the corner. Yeah, I'm seeing the TV ads for it now. Yep. Which means it must be soon. March 8th. (laughs) Lots of great concept stuff is coming out. There's no spaceships flying for it. And you know what? Man of Steel. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I really am. I yeah. had no problem with Superman Returns. I had no problem with it. But Man of Steel, I mean, it feels... Uh, there's this intensity to it that, you know, I think I can really... Every, everything is really intense now. You know, it's really intense or really light. There's there's kind of no middle mm-hmm. ground much. I just went to Apple Trailers to uh, see what else is coming out in the genre. And they they have uh, the poster here for that Kirsten Dunst film, mm-hmm. Upside Down. But they, they've turned the word down, Upside Down. So I looked at it, and it looks like it says, Upside and Moo. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst in Upside and Moo. I'm a big Superman fan. I thought Superman Returns was kind of overdone, kind of plodding. Um, but I'm all for a, for a blank slate. It's been enough years that... I'll give mm-hmm. anything a chance. Uh, that's a look at what's going on in the uh, upcoming months for TV and cinema. Darren, glad to have you back. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's going to be an exciting 2013 for science fiction. Now, are you going to be with us regularly per episodes, or do you want to come in every now and then? At this point, I would love to come in every now and then, and maybe uh, later in the year make it a bit more a bit more regular. Okay. Great. Okay. We keep your tweed jacket busy. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a blast talking with you guys. All well, right. we will be returning, Diana and I, in the next few weeks here. Uh, you can send your emails to us to podcast at gateworld.net. Leave us a call on the podcast hotline. 951-262-1647. That's correct. <laughs> so absolutely. That's so that's all that we've got going on right now. From GateWorld, this is David. This is Diana. And this is Darren. And we'll be talking to you real soon on the GateWorld Podcast. Podcast.